stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach senior strategist Kevin Cook to talk about what the big money, I guess we can call them, is investing in and what they were diving into or selling in the fourth quarter, because this is 13F time. It's making all the headlines once again about who was buying what, how much, who was selling what and how much. And so this is always kind of an interesting look at what is going on with the big money managers, some famous and some not so famous. But what were they thinking as stocks were hitting new highs there to finish up the fourth quarter in 2019? And uh, so welcome, Kevin. This is always a good show. Thanks. Yeah, this is one of my favorite uh, topics to do with you because, first of all, we we both love studying companies. Yeah. I mean, investing is fun, making money, but then learning about the companies is also interesting. And then this is like the third derivative. What is the big and smart money doing? Right. And and why are they buying and selling? And you see, um, I mean... In in the age of passive investing, yes, the market gets driven higher by you know funds just being allocated, ETF flows, and yeah. and all that kind of thing. But stock pickers still win, and so it's nice to see when you see this divergence of this big fund is selling this stock while another one is buying it. Right. So I yeah, like, I like those uh, to study the psychology and and motivations there. Definitely. Now, we wanted to start with one of the hottest stocks here in 2020 to see what was going on in 2019, and that would be Tesla, obviously. (laughs) TSLA, if you don't already know the ticker. So these managers, if they were buying into Tesla to end 2019, they were kind of ahead of the curve, basically, right? Right. This was before all the calls on like Tesla 7000. Yeah. Right. Well, and and you know that that big price target that's out there. You hear you just mentioned yeah. Tesla seven thousand. Um, it actually existed, but nobody knew about it really. Unless okay. unless you were really <laughs> following closely, you didn't know, and I I certainly didn't know because the this person who you saw on CNBC this morning and we've talked about for a few weeks, Kathy Wood, uh, the CEO of Ark Invest, she actually had a four thousand dollar pr- price target. That she raised to six thousand in January, so that that's when it got my attention, and that's when we did yeah. that that top stock pick. I said you got to look at Tesla here as a growth company, as you know, not a car company, but as a technology company, and you could pay three times sales. Um, after I understood her thesis about robo taxis, but uh, but something to keep in mind, and I was reminded of this when I saw her on CNBC is that the people we're talking about here with these 13 Fs are running portfolios. Mm -hmm. Like they are portfolio managers for the most part. And so there's certain things you do when you're running a portfolio. Like you might not want to have 50% of your portfolio in one position, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for instance. So she was commenting, she's been attacked for selling part of her position, I guess. 
and it was 10% and she had to sell some yeah, because she's got rules. Yeah, because she <laughs> cannot have a position yeah. more than 10% in the portfolio. So everybody was like, but if it's going to 7,000, why is she selling? Right. Because a good portfolio manager <laughs> doesn't just let it go, yeah. you know, crazy and overtake a whole portfolio. Yeah, that's and, and, good and, and, management. And that's a fair question if somebody is new to investing. Right. That's actually we they don't want to laugh know. at that. That's not a dumb question. No. We're, we're Tracy and I are laughing at the people who should know better. Better, like the the uh, the traders that we talk to all day on yeah. Stocktwits or something right. that should know better why somebody has to reduce a position right. even, even if their long term five year target and we should Is clarify bullish. that that's a five year target of hers. Um, yeah, yeah. The stock was doing so well it became bigger than ten percent in her mm -hmm. portfolio, so she had to sell some. But she said if it pulls back for whatever reason, then she would be a buyer in to get back up to that 10% level, but right. she won't hold something more than the 10%. Right. And one of her funds actually owns a, one of the largest positions in a small healthcare company of mine that we'll talk about. Um, and just a very large position, like uh, on the level of big institutions like a BlackRock or a, or a Vanguard. And so she may have to trim that too, but long-term thesis hasn't changed so let's let's get back to tesla i okay. want to see um uh let's see if i can pull up the 13 f's here um, so you know tracy and i have been doing this for a little while and we both use the sec website which is sec.gov that gives you the filings so these 13 f's we're talking about is a um the sec requires large institutional investors managing over 100 million dollars to report all their holdings. They don't have to say how much they bought or how much they sold. They just have to say, X stock, this is how many shares we have. And uh, they have to do that at the end of every quarter, but they have 45 days to do it. So on Valentine's Day, last Friday, all the reports were due. And some many funds will be late turning them in. So now, we're now that they're all turned in, we're looking at the totals. And we use various websites to to take a look um, from NASDAQ.com to Whale Wisdom. Uh, yeah, so, those, I feel like those sites are better to go to for this information yes, than the SEC. Yeah, the, the SEC, you have to really. You have to figure it out. Yeah, you have, you have yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's it's, not pleasant. Right. It's like doing your taxes. You got to dig and dig and dig. Right. Whereas um, the some websites will have an application interface with SEC and just download it and then dump it into organized files. Yeah. Uh, the old NASDAQ website does that really good. And I'm looking at that right now. I want to see. So um, right away, I'm looking at the top 15 holders on NASDAQ.com for Tesla. And um, most, I'm checking the dates to see as of, because a couple of them aren't updated, but most of them are for as of 12-31-2019, the end of Q4. And I just want to make sure, yes, I'm in Tesla. Always double check what you're looking at. Uh, and the largest holder, is, we were just talking about this company, Bailey Gifford. Okay. This is, Who are they? This is a Scottish hedge fund based in Edinburgh. It's been there since 1908. You know, it probably started as, you know, some small investment partnership and yeah. maybe they were doing insurance or something. I know that, uh, uh, you know, some of the UK companies were the first to start insurance. So Bailey Gifford has, I want to say, over $250 billion under management. And they own, according to uh, 
these filings the largest number of Tesla shares at 13.8 million. And they bought, they added a, a touch, they added a little spot of 3%, about 375,000 shares. So that's kind of cool to see. And then, as you would guess, the giant institutions are the next largest holders. Uh, Vanguard with 8.4 million shares. BlackRock with 6.7. Fidelity with 5.2 million shares. And only Vanguard and BlackRock were adding. Adding Vanguard added about 500,000 shares. BlackRock added about 300,000 shares. And But we're not really interested in what the, the giant, you know, institutions, I mean, BlackRock has got to be worth like seven trillion now assets under management, and you know because they have to do it for their mutual funds, they have to do it for ETFs they sponsor. You know, it's spread out throughout the firm. We're more interested in like who is like who seemed like really smart money, right? And, uh, uh, you know, obviously we talked about Kathy Wood. Maybe she had to sell some in Q4, but we already talked about why. My favorite bull here is actually Ron Barron, who uh, of the Barron funds who owns. 1.6 million shares. And I'm trying, I don't see him on, well, actually, he might be Bamco on here on what I'm looking at. He might be going to the name Bamco. Um, I don't know if that's Bank of America or not. But uh, let's see who, you know, who sold Tesla like a big position and uh, looks a little foolish? The Saudis. The Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund sold 8 million shares, which is like 99.5% of their position, in Q4. Wow. So completely missed the rocket ship from 400 to 900. Well, that just goes <laughs> to tell you you, you know, how hard it is to time any of that stuff. For sure. Yeah, I mean— Because the, those shares were going nowhere for four to five years. They yeah. were in that narrow range. Yeah, yeah we were, it had a couple different ranges over the past five years. It yeah. hung, out, hung around— around 200 for two, three years, yeah. then hung out around 300 for two, three years. Right. And then it, but it finally starts breaking out um, after they had a, a really solid quarter, you right. know, just turned the lever of profitability and made good on the promise of delivering over 350,000 cars. Right. So, so Elon Musk sort of uh, restored his credibility where uh, anyone who was in doubt, like, ah, you can't trust the guy. He, he came through. Right. And, um, Another thing about the 13Fs, we don't know when anyone bought or sold within the quarter. Right. It could be on the very first day of the quarter or the very last day, and we have no way of knowing how they timed it. Okay. Uh, so when I when I sort for biggest buyers in Q4, I have Renaissance Technologies, which is the the algorithmic fund that used to be run by Jim Simons, like the the original quant algo fund. Uh, because he was a math professor, and then he just surrounded himself with other, you know, mathematicians and engineers, and and, and built the modern algorithmic trading machine. Uh, J.P. Morgan bought two million shares. Uh, Susquehanna, uh, you know, it's typical typical funds and uh, you know hedge funds and trading funds and uh, mutual fund managers. So, so yeah. there's no like. You know, secret value investors that were diving. No, but I want to mention like. Ron Barron because Ron Barron is the is the bull that I did know of in Tesla in 2017. He had a one thousand dollar price target. Okay. And when he tells his story, he's been on CNBC a lot lately too, and you can find some videos of him on YouTube. When he tells his story, he's like, 
he goes, I was late to the Tesla story. Now, for him, late was 2014. Okay. <laughs> and that's when the stock was up to 200. Right. So he's, he's like, it took him a while um, for him and his team to do the research and due diligence to come around to Tesla. And they said, you know what? This guy and this company could change the world. And he goes, even if I'm wrong, I, I want to support him. You know, he, so what, you know, he, he wasn't being altruistic, but he, but he really believed in the concept of what Musk was doing with electric vehicles. And uh, so by 2015, he, he bought 1.6 million shares around 220 bucks. So it was like a 350 million investment. And as of a couple weeks ago, on February 4th, when I last saw him on CNBC, he hadn't sold a share and had no intentions of selling a share, any shares. So, okay. so from 200 bucks, his $350 million investment is worth over a billion now, easily, uh, 1.2 billion. And, um, and he, he doesn't talk about the robo-taxi thing that Kathy Wood does. Kathy Wood's thing is, hey, Tesla is going to own autonomous driving and ride-hailing. And when those two combine, it's going to be a robo-taxi world. And they're going to own the space, and they're going to have eighty percent gross margins. So that's the main thesis of her seven thousand dollars price target in five years, if everything goes right. Um, her bear case is that Tesla goes to fifteen hundred. That's her bear case. She's like, okay. if a lot of stuff goes wrong in China and elsewhere, the stock will still be worth fifteen hundred in five years. That's her bear case. So uh, Ron Barron. He doesn't talk about robotaxis. He talks about just the the expansion of electric vehicles. So if if the world sells and buys 90 million new cars a year, and the U.S. does 17 million of that, the proportion of electric vehicles is just going to you know grow into that pie, right? right. And, and if Tesla is only doing a small percentage of that, they're going to continue to be a larger percentage of that, and uh, and and EVs will you know just keep ramping up in terms of total vehicle sales. He thinks that by 2030, Tesla could do a trillion dollars in revenue. Now, if they do a trillion dollars in revenue, you can see you know, the market cap expanding into the thousands easily. Right. Yeah. I mean, right now it's, uh, let's say, at $900, Tesla is a $150 billion market cap. You know, So you get to a trillion in revenue in 10 years. Um, it could easily be a trillion dollar company or bigger. And, and, and I always go back to, like we talked about on January 23rd, that what changed my mind was when the CEO of Volkswagen said, technology or Tesla is a technology company. And that's like, okay, that changed my mind. If, 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 if VW is saying that, then something is up here. They, they see that you can pay more for this company. I'm not saying pay nine hundred dollars for the for the stock, but <laughs> well, the thirteen uh, Fs for the first quarter will be interesting then to see who else who is profits driving or, or oh yeah diving in who, who's buying at here point. at eight hundred dollars yeah, yeah yeah all right we should move on from Tesla who yes. else do you want to talk about well what about Micron okay uh, Micron that's another fan favorite like even even without looking my first guess is that Micron. Just saw steady accumulation by the same big players because you know if 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 a BlackRock or a Fidelity owned three or four million shares in Q3, um, they were adding, is my guess, and you know looking at it like uh, you know it's still it's still one to own because 
you know, it, it's not just memory for PCs. It's 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 um, specialized memory solutions for everything from data centers and autonomous cars to mobile. Um, so, oh, I mean, the amount of shares that these guys own is ridiculous. Um, so Vanguard is the largest holder with 87.7 million shares. BlackRock holds 78 million. And yeah, they were adding chunks like, uh, you know, one to four million. Right, um, but all of those have to be done because they own like the right. semiconductor ETF or whatnot. Right, so let's look at... Um, so AQR is... Uh, AQR is... Um, a hedge fund similar to Renaissance, where they're using active quantitative strategies and factor investing, um, they reduced their position. They sold 2.4 million shares in Q4 to get under 10 million. Uh, let me see who else stands out here on the. The reason I bring up Micron is because obviously the shares have had a big move here, and. Everybody's anticipating, you know, that the semis have bottomed now. Okay. The right. semiconductor oh, yeah. index is at all time highs. I mean, the the who would who is buying here at all time highs? Yeah. The, well, although M Micron's not. You quite mentioned there the yet. semiconductor index. It's it's just mind boggling that that index and its constituents, like a Micron or an Intel and Nvidia, made new highs before the sales and earnings did, right? So, right. We, so we get this big sales and earnings trough, a sort of a mini recession. You know, We've seen the peak in the cycle for semiconductors in late 2018. Then the stocks quickly bottom and, and then are just soaring last year and make new highs and the, the revenues and earnings have it. So it's just, a, yeah. I mean, even, even many of the good semi-analysts were scratching their head. Uh, but here's a here's a hedge fund manager whose name you will know who has been a longtime Micron bull and stuck with it. Uh, Appaloosa is David Tepper. Okay. And he now has 8.1 million shares because he added 2.1 million. Okay. And I, and I remember so seeing bullish. him. I remember seeing him on he, CNBC would have him on in in 2018 and 2019. You know what he thought, and he said, you know what, Micron is long term. You know the the it's a long term story, so he stuck with it. Okay. Um, what about uh, what's happening with David Tepper in general? What is Appaloosa? What else have they? Done? Oh yeah, let's let's see if I can let's take a look see here. What's happening there? Because um, he is considered to be you know one of the top managers out mm -hmm. there now. Yeah, I remember in like 2017 he cashed in a bunch of money. You know, gave money back to investors and. Took some money out and bought a football team. Didn't he buy the? Uh, did he buy the Jaguars or the know. Panthers? I forget. Some some football fan would know. Danny's going to Google it for me right now. Tell me <laughs> who, which football team Tepper bought. All right. So um, I want to say he's a he's a he's a guy who concentrates. They're only showing on Nasdaq.com. They're showing twenty six positions. Okay. And um, he sold a little bit of Alphabet. Carolina oh, Panthers, yeah. Okay. Uh, Tepper added to Amazon. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he's got like uh, 290,000 shares of Amazon. He kept his Facebook. He's got 2.8 million shares of Facebook and didn't do anything with them. 
Yeah, you know he likes Alibaba. He's got 2.4 million there. Um, oh, PG&E. We should talk about PG&E. This is the oh, yeah. Pacific Gas and Electric. What's happening there? I mean, I haven't looked at that stock in a while, but a lot of hedge funds got hurt on that drop a couple of years ago. Um, I mean, they were, right. this is like, you know, this is a steady utility, right? Stocks just coasting along at $45. And then all of a sudden it's 25 and then it's 15 and then it's below 10. Yeah. And these guys like, uh, uh, the guy from Baupost, he was still adding, let's see what uh, Tepper did here at PG&E. He sold a little bit, but he still has 17.4 million shares. And I'm sure most of those are underwater. I feel like at this point, a lot of them are like, the damage is already done. Yeah. Why would I get out now? Yeah, I mean, can they be, you can sue them into oblivion, but wouldn't the state kind of bail them out? I don't know. Yeah, What's happening for, the, there? for those fires. Um, so, and, and Tepper owns a lot of growth. He owns Salesforce, Adobe, added to Adobe, uh, Broadcom, that's chips, um, and he's got a couple of small energy plays. He's also got a, a, a satellite play, Intellisat, which he uh, added to. All right, who's next on your list? Let me let me do um, my little healthcare stock because it reports on Wednesday. I'm sure we're re- recording this on Tuesday, but I bet you this podcast is out to you guys by Wednesday. And you'll want to watch this report because this stock is called, the name of this company is Invite, I N. V-I-T-A-E. And the stock symbol is N-V-T-A. This is like, this is a an up-and-comer in genomics testing. So um, they may actually do some of the tests for uh, 23andMe and uh, Ancestry. Okay. But more than, the bigger part of their business and their main goal is medical grade genomic testing. Okay. So that you can find out, you know, what you have, a propensity for a certain disease, or if there, if your doctor thinks, you know what, I want to, I want to get a look at your genetic code here and see if this is a problem that's related to this other issue you're having. Okay. So doctors are ordering more tests. Insurance companies are uh, on board with it. Uh, in fact, Invite was one of seven preferred profi- pre- preferred labs selected to be a, a di- diagnostics lab for human. Um, was it Humana or oh no? I'm sorry. It was United Health. United Health picked seven labs, and Invite was one of them. It was a billion dollar company at the time. So this stock has really run lately. I mean, it's gone from you know 18 to 27. Um, we've owned it for a while, and one of the let's let me bring up my my biggest holders here. Um, it does report on this week, Wednesday, uh, the 19th. So. Um, you know, watch the report first. Don't rush out and uh, think you're going to buy it. So let me scroll down. Uh, it has some really interesting large holders, one of which is Catherine Wood with okay. ARK Invest. It's because ARK Invest, if you, if you look at their philosophy, they want to be, their whole theme is disruptive innovation. And, um, and let me just give you a little background on her. Th- this woman is smart. She was an economist for, um, Capital Group, which is a huge group of funds on the West Coast, managing over $500 billion. She was like an associate economist. Then she went to a big hedge fund called Jenison and was a senior economist for them. Okay. Uh, then she ran her own hedge fund. You know, so she's been around for a while, and she's you know, a pretty smart analyst. And she decided, obviously, when she got a payday from somebody, that she wanted to start her own fund family. 
and it's focused on what she calls disruptive innovation. And so they look at the platforms that are going to disrupt. So that would be things like electric vehicles, um, genomic sequencing, uh, uh, gene editing. So she owns the CRISPR stocks too. Um, and they have about, they have about five different ETFs, uh, and they all have the first three letters ARC, A-R-K. So there's ARC-K is, um, uh, I believe that's just general technology. So Tesla would be in her ARC-K fund. Then there's ARC-G, which is the genomics where, where Invitae and the CRISPR stocks would be. Um, still trying to pull up my holdings. Here we go. Institutional holdings, Invitae. And uh, her funds are like the third largest holder of Invitae with like 10 million shares. And, you know, she may have been a seller, but um, actually, no, she had to buy some. Wait, no, where is, it? where is it? Oh, yeah. Now, oh, now they're the top holder. Yeah. So as of 12-31-2019, the end of the end of Q4, ARK Invest bought 2.6 million shares to now hold 10.5 million of okay. Invitae. Uh, a couple of Japanese funds, Nico and Sumitomo, together own 20 million shares. Uh, th- and that actually might be that might be a duplication of names there because they seem to hold the same exact amount of shares. <laughs> okay. So I got to look into that. Uh, and then there's the Baker Brothers. They're the they're the big biotech focused hedge fund guys. They're, that's all they do. One is actually a doctor. One is a financial guy. Two brothers, Julian and um, Felix. Um, and their money originally came from the Tisch family, who owns the New York Giants. Okay. So that's where they got their start, you know, I don't know, 20 years ago. And uh, they've just been tremendously successful picking uh, biotech stocks. So I like to see them in there. Uh, Nine million shares, and they added 300,000 in Q4. Okay. All right, your turn. What do you got? Um, well, I wanted to talk about Michael Burry. Like, this okay, is a yeah. good time to bring him up because he's the big short guy. Yeah, is he short Tesla? I, think I, don't, he, I don't know. I don't think he shorts anything no. in that fund. No, you know who I'm thinking of? Iceman, the other guy uh, from uh, from the whole big short story. Iceman was the in the, in the movie. Um, oh, he was the the other guy. Yeah, the the hedge fund guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played by. Um, I can't think of his name. <laughs> um, yeah, um, Ma- Michael from about. The Office. Yeah, whatever that actor's name is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Michael Burry. You know, his claim to fame is finding opportunities. Let's just say, mm-hmm. and with stocks hitting new highs there in Q4, it is interesting to think like, what is he seeing? Where is he going with his money? And some of what he was buying was interesting. Um, He's been big in the retailers over the last year. Okay. And his largest holding has been GameStop. He was one of the few who managed to go in there because he saw a lot of value. It's still his top position, but he did reduce it in the fourth quarter by 21% because it was just too big, I think. He's still in tailored brands, though. That's his other retailer, and he added to that position, so he hasn't given up on those guys. But I did notice that he sold out of all of his Bed Bath & Beyond now. So either, you know, he didn't like what was going on with management or something over there, and he managed to get out of that one. 
but it is interesting that he's he's uh, you know trying to find some opportunities in one area where people are basically fleeing. They're not thinking there's any opportunities in these smaller specialty retailers. But some of his additions were also very interesting. One of his bigger addi- additions was this company called Maxar. M-A-X-R is the ticker. It's only a billion-dollar market cap, but they're space technology Mm -hmm. solutions. So that was interesting. He also added Quarvo, Q-R-V-O. Semiconductors. Yeah. And then um, Covetrus, C-V-E-T, which I actually had that stock in the Insider Trader in 2019 for a little while, and they do the animal health technology. They're trying to... Um, basically disrupt that that area of healthcare, but for animals. Okay. And um, then another one that was also interesting, and I was curious how many of the value-oriented uh, investors would look for value in energy because the beginning of December was not good. It was for some stocks, you know, 20-year lows for some of those. And he did... Uh, buy in Synovus Energy, CVE is the ticker. They're a $10 billion Canadian nat gas and oil company with refineries. So that's interesting that he was searching around for some in the energy side. So, But, but no tech, no growth. Well, no, he does have tech. He's got Corvo, well, Corvo yeah. and Maxar. And Maxar, yeah. because on the value side, you're not really finding right. you know, some unknown opportunity as much on that side. So that's Michael Burry at Scion is the fund that he runs. Okay. Also interesting, we haven't talked about on the value side, Berkshire Hathaway. What's going on over there? So a lot of the publicity is always immediately like, what new positions did they add? That's that's the big headline, right? And the big headline out of the fourth quarter was Kroger. They added that. KR is the ticker. It's a very small position, just $550 million. It is cheap. It's not my favorite name, but I'm not surprised that a value investor fund would go into there. But what was interesting is that they added very tiny positions in SPY and VOO, both the S&P 500 ETFs. Now, when you say small, small for them, but how? $12 million each. Dollars. Yes, that's like literally nothing compared yeah. to their overall portfolio. So why do it? Why put $24 million into two ETFs? Hmm. That just track the S and P five hundred. You know, I mean, he's this is Buffett, right? This is, yes. I mean, so he's got or some, his underlings. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. He's got some new managers underneath them, and my guess is is that they're fairly quantitative. You know, they're not just uh, you know uh, Peter Lynch kind of uh, stock pickers that you know they've they've got some models for what they want to do with the market, uh, and that they're they're they must be experimenting with something you know like because they have to put cash to work and maybe they have to tune the dials and this is just a a a toe dip in terms of a model that they're testing i don't know i mean it doesn't really (laughs) no we don't know right we we won't know (laughs) right and it doesn't really make sense for me to buy berkshire hathaway if they're just buying the spy or the buo but percentage wise you're not even getting any exposure to that well right right that's the whole thing like these numbers are so small for even for kroger that that was just 0.2 if long term if they were all of a sudden 
you know, making a serious allocation. Well, there, right. Then you start to wonder. But it makes me think, like, why didn't they just allocate that $24 million into some more of the Kroger or into some more of, they bought Biogen, a super yeah. small position in Biogen. Really though. small? Yeah. Okay. 0.08% of the entire portfolio. Yeah. Well. It's very small. Yeah. And then How they, big is the portfolio? I don't know. Okay. Has you know, like f- over 50 positions. Yeah. And you know, the, the big headline was, um, you know, Warren Buffett sells $800 million worth of Apple. It was 1% <laughs> which, of yeah, his which, position. Which sounds like um, he's getting out, right. But it's, a, is it a $70 billion position? It's among his large. Yeah. It is his largest. I yeah. Believe. So yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. over fifty billion. Yeah. yeah. So eight. So yeah, eight hundred so million headline, was. Well, yeah. <laughs> now the more interesting on his sales was that they sold almost all, but not quite all. I don't really understand why they didn't just get rid of these positions completely. So that's a mystery to me too. But they sold almost all of their Phillips sixty six, which is PSX, is the ticker. Mm-hmm. That's refining side of the energy equation. So for whatever reason, they're like, we're done with this one. We're getting out of almost all of it. And then they sold 94% of travelers, which they've owned for a long time. TRV is that ticker. So that was also interesting. And then they made a decent size reduction in Wells Fargo as well, one of Buffett's all-time favorites. And that went from about 8.9% of the portfolio down to 72 So that was a decent size sale of Wells Fargo. WFC is the ticker there. And then they did add a, a sizable little investment into Suncor Energy, which they've also owned for a while. But again, some of these energy companies were hitting those lows. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't surprised to see that ticker SU. Um, so they went in a little bit on that one. And I, I saw the headlines that it looked like they added a little bit more to their Occidental position, which they started last quarter. So again, with those shares, you know, also plunging down, that is not a surprise. But yeah, the the SPY and the VOO, and why split it? You better go to the next shareholders meeting and ask. Your, yeah, I want to know your question. <laughs> why? Why not just buy twenty four million in SPY? Why put twelve in SPY and twelve in VOO? I'm telling you, the, his new quants are up to something. They're running some <laughs> kind of model experiment. They're, I don't they're, know. They're testing it. Well, that is the thing with Berkshire Hathaway. Buffett runs some of the money, and then the two underlings have a set amount of money that each one of them runs. So we don't know which of the managers are buying any of these, like Mm -hmm. which one bought the Biogen. We don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm pretty sure it probably wasn't Buffett buying restoration hardware last quarter and then adding a little bit this time, but we don't know. Maybe, maybe it was him and they haven't done anything with their Amazon position, which they added, just about a year ago, it was first quarter 2019, they surprised everyone by adding a small position in Amazon. They have not added to it since then. So that is interesting as well. All right. I just have, I know we're running out of time here soon. I just have two more stocks I want to cover real quick. Okay. One is uh, uh, FinTech and one is sort of biotech healthcare. Okay. So for FinTech, it's Square, which I own. Oh. Um, I just want to look real quick. So uh, Vanguard has the largest position, almost 27 million. They were buyers, not you know, not not a surprise there. Um, the third largest holder is now Viking Global, 
which is uh, Andreas Halverson, and um, you know, pretty big fund. I'm sure he's got over 50 billion under management. He now is the third largest holder with 10 million shares, and he just bought a he just bought a small amount. He only bought 13,000 shares in Q4, but nice to see him showing up. Um, let's see. Oh, Lone Pine Capital. I, I always put these two guys. So Lone Pine is Steve Mandel, and I always think of I, when I used to track these 13 apps really closely, like five years ago. I I loved looking for Viking Global and Lone Pine, uh, Steve Mandel, just because they're they're really they're like David Tepper. You know, they're just guys who have you know they they have insights they have a quantitative team you know and they're stock pickers um he also was buying square he bought almost 800,000 shares and now owns about 8.8 million okay so that stands out now my my last company and I'll let you close it out with something is Illumina and this is the giant uh genomic sequencing company so they make these million dollar machines that institutions buy to to you know run sequence your genome and and what's the ticker on that one I L M N okay Illumina and you know their their work in the past 10 years has really what has what has revolutionized people's access to their genetic data and made things like 23 and me and ancestry possible i mean because in 2003 it cost 3 billion to sequence a genome by 2010, it only cost 10 million to sequence a genome. Now you can do it for a few hundred bucks. Wow. Yeah. I mean, what Ancestry and 23andMe do are, are more limited versions. They're not sequencing your whole genome and telling you everything about your health uh, potential. But, um, but, but that they could. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know, that's like... what's coming. Yeah. That's yeah. what Invitae is, is a smaller version. Invitae is like a little Illumina. Um, so I wanted to look at Illumina, and with Illumina, we come back to the Scottish hedge fund, Bailey Gifford. Huh. Uh, they are the largest holders with 17.7 million shares. They added uh, 480,000 in Q4. Uh, Vanguard, BlackRock, blah, 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 State Street. Uh, let's see if anybody else is interested here. Jenison uh, sold some shares. They're down to 4 million. But um, I just thought it was Interesting. We don't. We hear about all the big U.S. investors. Yeah. Nobody ever throws around the name Bailey Gifford. No. In, but they're a big player in U.S. capital markets. Yeah. And still based in Edinburgh. Yeah. Sounds like it. Okay. All right. What are you closing us off with? Well, that's it. I think we've covered a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many good companies to talk about. And if you if you want to do this yourself uh, on Nasdaq.com, when you go Nasdaq.com rebuilt their website last year. And it it's kind of cool and flashy, but it doesn't give you the 13F data the way the old one did. So right at the top of the website, you'll see, click to use old site. <laughs> and then you get to go and see, and then you and then you scroll down in the left left side menu to institutional holdings. And you'll get to see the top 15 holders. And then you can sort that list by um, the the change in shares, like who bought or sold the most in the recent quarter and fun stuff like that. Okay. All right. Uh, let me recap the tickers because we did talk about a lot of tickers today. So there was Micron, MU, Tesla, TSLA. We had Philips 66, PSX, Travelers, TRV, Wells Fargo, WFC, Kroger's KR, Biogen, BIIB, GameStop is GME, Bed Bath & Beyond, BB. 
B-Y, Maxar, M-A-X-R, um, Invitae, N-V-T-A. We had the uh, ETFs, S-P-Y, and V-O-O, and Square, S-Q, and Illumina, I-L-M-N. So you want to be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We'll be covering the 13Fs probably later in the year, too, to see what other little tidbits are happening here to start the year because it's been a hot one out there on the stock market. So someone's buying something out there and we'll cover it all. So you want to subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts. You can also get us on SoundCloud and we're now on Spotify and probably a bunch of other um, podcast channels out there. But be sure to get us somewhere and I'll see you again next week with some more stuff. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identify and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.